Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Five, five, it is eight, oh, seven. 16 degrees here on The Breakfast Club. And we are joined by uh, Tom Platts. He's born in Lewiston, lives in Auburn. And uh, he's a registered architect with Platts Associates from 1979 to now. Tom, how are you this morning? Very good, Matty. How are you? Uh, very good. Thanks for asking. Uh, quite a... Uh, this is this is quite a, 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 a education activities. This is quite a resume you've got here, Tom. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Edward Little to Harvard. That's not always the easiest uh, jump on things. Uh, well, you know, it wasn't so difficult. I, um, I think a lot of people uh, from this area have gone off to great schools. Um, uh, I went through the public school system here, and I think when it was ready to go to school, uh, to college, I felt uh, maybe it was time to get out of Maine and see a little bit more of, uh, of the world. And, uh, and then I ended up back here, which was great. A lot of people do that, and uh, they bring wonderful tales of things that they've seen all over the place, that's for sure. What do you do over at Platts Associates? Uh, we're primarily uh, an architectural firm, a full-service architectural firm. Our clients range uh, from banks to uh, industry, uh, retail, um, some residential work, um, manufacturing. We've done pretty much the full gambit of architecture. Uh, we're a small firm. We have about a dozen people involved. And uh, we've been about this size since we started. We really had no uh, desire to get any bigger. Uh, and we feel this is a good size to serve our clients uh, in a more personal way. Why did you uh, choose to return to Lewiston Auburn to live and work? Uh, well, it's funny. I was, I was in the Boston area for oh, over 10 years. And um, while I love the city and, and there's lots going on there, uh, I felt you always had to leave to do some of the things you really wanted to do, uh, kayaking or skiing or just kind of being outdoors. And so I think right, uh, oh, my late 20s, right before I turned 30, I decided coming back to Maine would, uh, would answer uh, all the problems that I had living in the city, i.e. I could uh, get up to Sugarloaf easily and ski. I could be out on the lakes and the rivers, and, uh, and it was a good place to raise a family. I, uh, as Again, as much as I like the city, it's a lot uh, more difficult to live there, I think, than it is to live up in Maine. certainly is. I mean, you got to pay for parking in cities. I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, geez, it's, I don't even like going to Portland when I've got to pay for well, parking. Well, that's starting to happen here. It is. It is. Luckily, if you don't go downtown too much, you're, you're all right. But, you know, it seems like you got a lot of things going on downtown. What's... um. Bates Mill number five is, is always a hot topic of discussion. All sorts of rehab and, and projects and things going on. What, what's happening over there right now? Well, right now we're developing plans for the uh, rehabilitation of the entire mill, which is about a 360,000 square foot building. Um, while we're developing those plans, we're talking with interested companies to see if this mill would serve their purposes. So right now we're talking to about a half a dozen different uh, companies that have shown some pretty strong interest in being in the Bates Mill and in being in the Lewiston-Auburn area. 
Um, over the course of the next probably six to eight weeks, we will get together with each one of them, try to let them know how much it'll cost them to get into the mill, uh, as well as let ourselves know how much it's going to cost to renovate this mill, and see if, uh, if everything we're doing um, works with what they're looking to do, with what they're looking to spend, the amount and type of space that they want. Uh, and if we get commitments from enough of them, we certainly need to have commitments for, oh, between 60 and 75% of the space before we undertake uh, rebuilding it uh, because it'll be a long and fairly expensive project to do. Talking with Tom Platts from Platts Associates, and uh, we'll speak more with him coming up about Bates Mill Number 5 and other things as well. 16 degrees, it's 811. You're listening to Z1055 on a Thursday morning. If it's about Lewiston Auburn, you'll hear it here. It's everything I listen to. It's my station. Good songs. Great station. The Pulse of LA. The new Z1055. The Z. Z1055. 5817. 16 degrees on a Thursday morning. Talking with Tom Platts, registered architect at Platts Associates. And uh, we'll just continue on here. We were speaking about the Bates Mill number five. We'll get back to that in a second. How did you uh, how did you decide to expand from an architectural practice into development? What were the, what was the thought process in behind that? Well, I think early in my career, uh, I was practicing with my brother, who's an engineer. Um, we realized that the business of architecture is a very up and down business. I mean, it, it kind of obviously it follows the economy like all businesses but i think it it lags longer and and it stays up maybe a little longer um but when it goes down it can be down for a long time and we were talking to uh an architect in new jersey who kind of modeled his practice the way we ended up going is that by doing some development yourself you can kind of feed your architectural firm some work in those lean times and that's really how we got into it i mean we when times are good and lots of people are building frequently, we're doing, um, you know, 90% of our architectural work is for all of our clients. Um, and then when times are really lean, we may end up doing a project that fills in. Um, and what that's allowed us to do, I think, in the last, oh, you know, 35 years that we've been in business, I think we've probably never laid anybody off due to not having enough work. And we've always been able to fill in. And that really makes the firm run very smoothly, keeping all the same people. Uh, you kind of develop a rhythm, and uh, it's worked out really well for us. Excellent. What was your – well, and, and that's a great point, too. I mean, consistency is key. And, you know, not having to worry about where that next job is coming from, as, as many folks do. I mean, that's a – that can definitely help. That, that can be a, a pretty strategic advantage. What was your first development project? Uh, the first project we developed was our office building. That was in 1984, uh, right down at Two Great Falls Plaza. Uh, we, um, uh, that first one we actually did as a condominium. We had, there were, uh, quite a few doctors in town and a couple other small businesses that really wanted to own their own space, uh, but didn't want to build, you know, a small building kind of outside of the downtown proper. So we came up with a 65,000 square foot building. We broke it up into, I think, four condo units on each floor. Now, some of the businesses bought all four and have a whole floor, but it gave people the opportunity to come in. I think when we first opened, we had um, some floors had four different medical practices on them. 
as time went by, people have consolidated, uh, medical practices have changed, the hospitals run a lot of the medical practices. So we still probably have just as many doctors, but some of them take up a whole floor. We have an accounting uh, firm that takes up a whole floor. We take up most of a floor now. Um, when, yeah. when, when you're designing something like that, do you have a specific client in mind? Do you like, okay, I'm gonna have, you know, we'll have medical on this floor, we'll have accountants on this floor, or is it more of a, okay, we'll put the schematics out here and then they can fill in the rest of it. How does that work? Well, it actually depends on each project. Um, in that particular project, we designed the shell of the building with the floor plate. And then we went out and got people interested in going in the building. And as they got interested, we then designed their spaces to show them what they could look like. Um, we rarely start a development project and build it out before we have tenants. We're not, we're, um, uh, I would say we're risk adverse. We don't, there's no, there's no point in putting yourself in that position. So we really try to sell the project before we build the project. I mean, that, as I told you with mill number five, that's kind of where we are right now. We're, we're selling the project. We're trying to get businesses interested in going in. Um, and that really limits your downside. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, you gotta go in and do that. You can't just slap it up you can't you can't listen to the uh, the whispers like in field of dreams if you build it they will come you know no that's a dangerous move i think uh mill number five is three hundred and sixty thousand square feet i'd hate to have that all built out and empty yeah that would be that would be fantastic i'm sure that would be super helpful for business 17 degrees 822 we're talking to tom platts from platts associates we'll have more with him coming up you're listening to the breakfast club z1055 it's 822 837 17 degrees We're talking with Tom Platts from Platts Associates for more information go to plattsassociates.com talking about development and architecture and all sorts of fun stuff here um, what prompted you to get involved with the Bates Mill when it started well actually when we uh, first got involved I think I got a call from the city of Lewiston <clears throat> about a year after they took the mill over in uh, a tax lien and they had spent a year putting in, oh, a few tenants, various tenants, uh, painting some of the spaces white and trying to make people comfortable. And I think after a year, they realized that they really weren't in the landlord business. <laughs> <laughs> so they asked us, uh, they came to us, they knew we did some development and asked if we'd be interested in partnering with them. Uh, and that really just meant um, helping them to develop the mill. And we worked side by side for, oh, probably a year, year and a half, when they realized they really needed to be out of it. I mean, they're, they're much better being, uh, you know, a municipal government that provides support to people who want to help build the city. So they stepped back, and we took over the mill. And uh, I, I think from the beginning, I was intrigued just when you walked through those old mills, and uh, since I grew up here, I do remember when they were vibrant and there were 6,000 people working in the mill. And um, it, it brought back lots of memories. And it also it was a little sad to see these million square feet of buildings just empty, leaking from the roofs, the windows broken, pigeons living in them. Um, and, and you could see what they could be. I mean, they were, they, they were beautiful buildings built in the middle 1800s all brick with heavy timber, you know, 14 to 20 foot ceilings. Um, and it, I think it just became uh, kind of a vision to 
make them come back to life. And actually, our, our, our kind of unofficial goal now is to, I'd love to get the working and living population in the mill back up close to that 6,000 figure. So it would be back to what it was in the 40s. Uh, and what, what do you see in a building? Like when I look at something, I'm like, oh, <clears throat> God, that's a lot of money I'm going to have to pour into that thing. Let's just move right along. And, you know, we all watch that stuff on HGTV and, and stuff like that. Like, oh, we can flip this and we can do this. And, and they come in and it's all cute and fun. And they come in with sledgehammers and they bang out walls and they do all sorts of renovating. I feel like you're probably looking at things. You can actually see the renovations going on in your head, but you're looking at different things than we are so that things can be developed. What are some of the things you look for when you go into a building like that? I think each building's different. But when you walk into these buildings and you... You look at the materials they're built out of. You look at the architecture from the age in which they were designed. And even though they're, you know, covered with dust and soot and whatever else is the years have brought, um, I think the building kind of speaks to what it once was. And so your vision becomes, you know, how to integrate what the building once was with the way business and society works today. So it's kind of a blend of new and old. Um, and I think, as I say, each building speaks to you in a different way depending on its materials and its size and its shape. As you said, you'd like to see, uh, you'd like to see the, the Bates Mills uh, get up to that 6,000 mark, 6,000 people working them, whether they're living them, working them, whatever. Do you have like a dream scenario, almost like a fantasy lineup of what you would like to see in there? Uh, not really. I think the overall uh, dream would be to have a very mixed use. I mean, right now we have uh, housing units in the mill, we have insurance companies, we have banks, we have restaurants. Uh, I'd certainly like to see a few more restaurants, a few more um, consumer-oriented businesses. Um, but I think, in general, the idea is to have a working community where people, some people live there, people work there, they eat there, they may do some small shopping there, picking things up uh, on the way home. Uh, so it's a very cohesive business community that people enjoy being there, working there, and living there. We'll talk more coming up about some of the things uh, about the Lewiston-Auburn uh, possible comeback and things that are driving forces and things as things get developed. And uh, we'll talk more about how uh, Platts Associates plays a role in that. PlattsAssociates.com for more information. We're speaking with Tom Platts. A little more with him coming up. It's 842. You're listening to Z1055. It is 17 degrees on the corner of Center and Bradman. The Breakfast Club. High five, hanging out in the top 10. Let's just got two songs in the top 10. You can catch a Z1055 Top 30 Countdown every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. right here on the Z. It is 8.50, 17 degrees, and we are still talking with Tom Platts from Platts Associates. For more information about what they do, let's go to PlattsAssociates.com. Lewis and Auburn making a comeback right now. Seems like uh, things are perking up. I've seen a lot of new business owners come in here and a lot of new developments and a lot of different things happening all over the place. I think it is. I think uh, in the past, oh, I think even in the past 10 years, it's been a very slow buildup, but I think we've noticed uh, a lot of young people coming back to town, which I think is probably the key to Lewis and Auburn um, progressing and, and building and um, bringing more uh, venues to the population. Um, you see new restaurants opening. You see lots of younger people going down on Lisbon Street and picking up buildings, renovating them, living downtown. Uh, and that's what it takes for a, for a community to build. And I think it's finally happening here. 
I think it's uh, happening much fa- at a much faster rate than it has in the past, and uh, we're looking forward to it. And, and you know, we, we talked with the young folks. What other driving forces are there to, to lead that comeback? I think Lewis and Auburn has a great workforce. I think you're finding uh, some of these larger companies like TD Bank and Carbonite and uh, some of these uh, telemarketing uh, businesses are coming here because they, we have a great workforce within Lewiston-Auburn, and actually if you go within a 30-minute drive of Lewiston-Auburn, you're tapping almost a half a million people. So I think it's, it's well-located in the state, uh, and businesses are finding that out. Statewide, what do you think Maine needs to do to, to be looking to improve its economic growth? I know there was, a, there was a recent tax thing that's out there, and there always seems to be a new tax thing every couple of years, but uh, is that kind of the right path, or do you think there's other things that can be done? You know, I think you know, lowering taxes always helps. But I really think, in my eyes, one of the key things we need to be looking at is cheaper energy. I think high electricity costs uh, are very difficult for large businesses to deal with. Uh, Maine has probably more rivers and streams and and 3,000 miles of shoreline, I believe. Uh, So we have a lot of water resource available to us. And I think we probably need to be looking at how we can harness that, you know, hydroelectric power, um, because cheap electricity would absolutely, in my opinion, draw businesses to the state. Oh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I had a, I had a friend of mine who's, who's building a, uh, a place out in western Maine. It's an old mill, and he's converting a house there. Why? Because he's going to have hydropower for it. He can kind of live off the grid, off of that whole thing. And the, and the wonderful thing about hydro is it is environmentally probably one of the cleanest energies we can have. The water flows forever. Uh, and as long as we harness it in, a, in an appropriate way, um, you don't have to worry about backing it up with uh, generators. I mean, it just continually flows and continually builds electricity. You don't need to store the electricity, uh, and it's relatively clean. And, and that, that makes a lot of sense. How's, um, how's it been working with the two cities on your many projects? I know uh, we've got this, this charter commission right now, and they're looking at maybe doing some combining on some things. and. <clears throat> But each, each city seems to have their, their own unique personality and their own unique way of doing things. I think they do both have their own unique personalities. But by and large, doing projects in Auburn or Lewiston is very easy. I mean, it's a pleasure to do business with them. Uh, they're looking to see, it, each, of, each of them are looking to see their individual city progress. Uh, I don't feel like they get in your way for reasons that don't make sense. I mean, they come to the table willing to work with you, asking, you know, what can we do to make this happen, uh, assuming what you're doing is going to be good for the cities. Uh, and that's unique. I think that's that's another driving force, bringing people here to work. I mean, we, we work in many cities, and uh, you go into some cities, and it seems like you're, you're just hitting your head against the wall uh, trying to get something done that they're more obstructive than they are helpful. And Lewis and Auburn is very helpful in trying to help get things done. You ever able to go around to, to other places and look at things? Like I, uh, I remember back in the day when uh, MB&A, the old credit card company, was, was building offices in Rockland and Camden. They actually took an old mill in Camden and, and they converted it into this great big banking center. And it was very unique and it was very whatever. You know, with, with the mill itself, 
um, especially baseball number five, looking to develop. Are you ever going places to try to get new ideas to attract uh, new clients? Is that something that's ever happened? You look at things like, oh, wow, that would actually work here because the architecture is the same or same style or anything like that. I think just given who I am and, and being in the business of architecture, anywhere I go, I'm always looking. I mean, I, I, whether it's in Maine and other cities, other towns, or uh, traveling to Massachusetts, or traveling to the West Coast, or Florida. I'm, I'm always looking at what people are doing, and, and somewhere in my mind wondering how that might work for us back here. Well, that's, that's, it's always on then, really. Always on. What, always what it on. sounds like. And uh, you know, the one thing I, I really like about the, the Auburn Lewiston area is you go downtown, you know, even the kids uh, say it, you know, you feel that, that city vibe. A lot of good architecture coming down around Court Street and everything else. I mean, there's good architecture everywhere, but you must be able to look at things from a completely different point of view than somebody who's who's not really into it all that much. Well, you know, I, I'm sure I might be a little bit more aware of it, but I think when you see all the history in these two cities, um, I think anybody going down these streets is going to feel it because that's what that's what good history and good architecture do for people. You don't really have to look at it and say, oh, I see that. I think just it being there and surrounding you, you feel it. I agree with that, too. Tom Platts, PlattsAssociates.com for more information. Thank you very much for spending a little time with us today. Well, thank you. Have you on again soon. 856, 17 degrees. You're listening to Z1055. The Breakfast Club.